0: Warning Weird West radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. <laughs>
1: Story. Go to listen like this.
0: Alright, hello everybody. Welcome to Weird West Radio. On Rain Man Digital, Rain Man Digital's exclusive Western show. Weird Western Show. Where we discuss the bizarre, the zany, the strange, the odd, the normal, the traditional Western films. I am Michael Flores, your host, and welcome to today's broadcast. Hello, Clint. Well, hello, Michael. Alright today we're going to be discussing Sukiyaki Western Django, directed by Takishi Mike or Takashi Mike if you want to say it proper. <laughs> directed by Takashi Mike, a nameless gunfighter arrives in town ripped apart by rival gangs, and though courted by both to join, chooses his own path. Sukiyaki Western Django is a two thousand and seven English language Japanese western film yes it's Very confusing. We'll get into it and explain it. Uh, The title of the film refers to the Japanese dish, sukiyaki, which is used at the start of the film as a way to platform the narrative, as well as Sergio Corbucci's spaghetti Western film, Django, which everyone, I think, if you push play and you don't know Django, (laughs) just push stop and then find the closest cliff. And just go head first, right? Right, Clint? Is that, is that, <laughs> is that okay to say yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think are we if you're get sued? listening to
1: Spaghetti Western Corner, you should definitely know what Django is.
0: Right. Right, now. Or even a Western in general. Like, I mean, if you're listening to Weird West Radio, you got you to gotta know what Django is. Now, I'm yeah. not condoning suicide. I want you to jump head first, but make sure you have like a cushion there. Maybe someone can catch you. I don't want yeah. you to die. I'm just, just it's just a disclaimer, Clay. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say just for legal matters. Yeah, for legal purposes and you know, <laughs> reasons. I don't want to have to close down the network because someone said Michael encouraged suicide on the show.
1: And they go back, they're like, Oh. Yeah. And in here fact, it is, Your Honor.
0: Right. And in fact, if you are feeling depressed, please call one eight hundred uh the suicide hotline. I don't know the full number, but look it up, Google it, and call them. They're always standing by, willing to talk to you about depression. Yeah, I've been using that number a lot lately, Clint. So, I'm
1: <laughs> Well, I'm glad to I'm glad you're alive.
0: It's on speed dial. So <laughs> <A little> stupid. <laughs> All right. So this film is directed by Takeshi Mike and written by Takeshi Mike as well as Masa Nakamura. The music composed by Koji Indo, amazing soundtrack. Cinematography mm. by Toyomichi Kurita. and I'm just going to say this again as another disclaimer. Lots of disclaimers and waivers this this episode. I'm not Japanese. I'm actually an idiot when it comes to speaking English. I don't even speak English properly. So please don't expect that I'm going to pronounce all these beautiful Japanese names the right way. Okay? Let's just get that out there, client. Okay? So don't don't judge me or pressure me into speaking properly. Okay?
1: And everybody, you picked up your consent forms before you hit play. Yeah,
0: it's it's digital. We'll send them through DocuSign. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This film has a runtime of two hours and one minute. Uh, an hour and 38 minutes is the international cut. So if you saw this at the theater like I did, oh. you missed out on over 20 minutes of a movie, which explains a lot, Dave. Or Dave, who Son am I doing of a, a bitch, show with? Dude. Who am I doing a show with right now? Who is this? Where <laughs> am I? What's going on here? Where's that suicide oh, hotline yeah. number? Ah, <laughs> uh, Clint. Hi, Clint. Whatever, man. Yeah. What was no. that
1: number to the suicide hotline? <laughs>
0: i'm just gonna put it into the podcast description now as well so people could just click right through it'll be a dialable click link (laughs) if you have an iphone you'll be able to just go right through right right through the episode descriptions um okay so but that explains a lot because when i saw this in the theater i enjoyed it it was stylized it was beautiful it was fun but it wasn't until i bought the dvd that i said hmm why do I like this a lot better than the, the original theatrical version? And that makes a lot of sense. It's because it's 20 minutes of story. Mm. Can you imagine losing 20 minutes from any movie? What's the latest movie you've seen, Clint? Just throw it out there.
1: Uh, It was Ready or Not. Okay.
0: Let's pretend they cut 20 minutes out of there. Would you be able to get the, the gist of the movie without those 20 minutes? I think so. <laughs> oh, was it a dumb movie?
1: No, I actually liked it, but I think if they cut 20 minutes out, I think you'd be okay.
0: <laughs> okay, that's a poor example, and thank you for not backing me up.
1: Well, I know what you mean, though. I, I
0: think if 20 minutes, uh, that is a long that's time. A lot of
1: That's a lot of narrative, or not a lot of story to yes. take out of a movie.
0: Yes, a lot. So that explains a lot now in retrospect when I go back and. And recall, you know, when I saw it in the theater opposed to when I purchased it on DVD. Now, this is a Far East Western. It takes inspiration from the man with no name stock character variously used in spaghetti westerns, the spaghetti western genre, but most notably in the Dollars trilogy by Sergio Leone, which was made famous. That archetype was made famous by Leone himself and later stole was stolen by various other directors of the time and is still used throughout all of cinema up until this very minute. So Leone created that archetype and it was used yet again in Tsukiyaki Western Django. And this also was inspired by, of course, Akira Kurosawa. You can't have a samurai epic that's produced by a Japanese director and it not be someone inspired by... Akira kurosawa that's almost like attempting to do a 1960s throwback Western and saying you're going to forget about Leone and pretend he never uh, produced some of the most iconic, relevant Westerns of the 1960s. True. It's just not going to happen. Akira Kurosawa is the equivalent to that. Uh, and it's it's a crazy it's crazy that this film premiered in 2007, just about 12 years ago. Now, I still remember heading out to the small indie theater here in Phoenix, Uh, in the valley here to go see it. And I had no idea what to expect. I had not experienced the zany wildness of Takashi Mike's directing style. As of yet now, I'm an advocate uh, and I'm like, everyone needs to see his movies because he is funky. He is crazy. He is disturbed and he is uber intelligent how he makes his movies. But dude, this movie changed me. This film for me was inspirational from a creative perspective The raw, gritty, cinematic quality of a Leone and Corbucci film with the gorgeous color palette of Takashi Mike, of a Takashi Mike feature. I mean, very few films are able to successively mesh together multiple genres as seamless as Takashi did with this. I mean, how many times, Clint, have we discussed multi-genre films and it just feels like a cluster of confusion? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it, well, you, a lot of a lot of times that's what happens is because they're trying to mix too many styles in a movie and they don't quite understand the styles they're delving into. And if you don't understand and grasp the genre, what's going to happen is, hey, you're just going to have a very disjointed movie and very confusing in terms of theme and motif. But then you have Takashi might come in here and like, hey, look at this. How you do it? I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of Western, a little bit of Samurai, a little bit of mysticism. Boom. And we have Sukiyaki Western Django. Now, Clint, I'm very anxious to hear your initial thoughts. Because as our listeners know, you're a bit of an enigma sometimes when it comes to these weird Westerns. Especially these ones that I would definitely call an art film. And this is an art film of sorts. Okay. So let me have it, Clint. Just give it to me.
1: I actually enjoyed it. Oh, I th- thank I you. Thought- I thought one thing that was you know it was um I don't like to say up to date because it's it it you know it's western samurai western but yeah. what I liked about it is is it, it incorporated some cool visual effects of today um and there was a, a part that I'm just going to throw in here it's when he jumps on the horse kind of later in the movie and it does that kind of digital I don't even know the term for it, but it yeah. kind of goes in and out in and out. It's a digital mm-hmm. zoom type right that's today you know yeah. you don't you you don't get a lot of the other films that we do are back in the sixties and seventies and you they're they're a different type of zoom. This was actually a really cool way to do it, and I think even you mentioned the color palette throughout this whole movie, and I thought it was beautifully shot. So I mean, it it got my interest from just the point of the look of it, and then you mentioned the soundtrack. Right away, you're interested. Yeah, and and so I, I, you know, of course, this has a few moments where it's okay, but yeah, you need those moments. And I think with this film, I I I don't know. I just really enjoyed it, and I guess I. You call it an art film, and I I just guess I I would have to agree, but it's not like uh, some other films that we've we've called art films.
0: Well, this isn't an art house film. Art house films are those ones <laughs> like mm-hmm. – uh, The pee-pee let, one. Yes, Let the Corpses Tan. That's an art <laughs> house film for sure. Yeah, and, and maybe even that other one you hate, um, Summer Love. Oh, yeah. 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 I
1: brought that one up. You did this time. Mm -hmm. That was nice. That
0: was nice. Yeah. I'm going to (laughs) make you watch it again, and we're going to do a review. A a re-re-review?
1: Well, doesn't Hollywood just call it a reboot now?
0: Yeah, we'll do a reboot of our review and see if you uh, changed your thoughts on it. I highly doubt it.
1: But I think it would be worth it because I I usually am the one who brings it up a lot.
0: Well, you know what? You're not the only one that hates on that movie. I was actually going through some reviews of that film the other day because I was thinking of watching it. And I was looking for a Blu-ray version because I only have the standard def. And, man, it is hated. It is hated. I went through all these hashtags and these reviews, and there was nothing positive about it. So I might have been the one on the outside on that (laughs) review.
1: (laughs) You're like, oh, maybe I should watch it again.
0: Yeah. And if anyone's wondering what that is, it's Summer of Love, where Val Val Kilmer stars in it. Oh, he's, but just he's dead. But he's dead the entire movie.
1: Yeah, the whole
0: movie. Summer of Love is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never right. get your time back, people. Oh, come on, let them decide that for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to Sukiyaki Western Django, this is one of the films that I had on nearly every day. Okay. Every year I have one or two films that I put on in the background nearly every day. And between 2007 and 2008, this was the one that was on in the background. I wanted to have it on because it was just, to me, so artistically pleasant and inspirational. And that being said, it's not a perfect film. I'm not going to pretend it is. It has problems. It does. Let's go through some of the issues with this movie. Let's go. Th- since we blew it for about 10 minutes. Let's get through some of the issues now. One moment that I just didn't care for. And it may shock you. I despise the Tarantino introduction. Yeah. It's it's just rough. It's not good. It's. N- yeah. It's just not good. It's unjustifiable. At least to me. I kind of understand what Takashi Mike was trying to do. He wanted to set it up as like a staged faux Western as a way to tell a tale, but it it didn't really come off that way.
1: I've seen it, plays that do a better job. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's when I saw I, it. High I, school plays.
0: I, yeah. I've seen high I, school productions better than that.
1: Right. I just really did not. I'm I'm with you. It was it was uh, I hate to say this, but it was almost amateurish because it yeah. didn't
0: feel right. No, even it didn't. It didn't even look right. No, it did. And I again, I kind of understand. I want to say I, I know Takashi Mike is is out there. He is. So I'm trying to be like, I, I don't know, like visually empathetic, maybe style. It was I don't even know if that's even a thing. I'm trying to understand what he's trying to do. And I kind of get it, but it doesn't mean he had to do it that way. He could have done the same thing differently because first off, that's just a terrible way to start your movie. Now, if you want to do something like that halfway through, you know, maybe start your. Yes, you can't change your style and suddenly become a narration like Tarantino does recently, which is another thing I don't like that he does lately, where it kind of throws you off with these introductions or these narrations out of nowhere. But he could have started off his movie in a similar way, maybe do something different and then maybe take us to that visual medium, that style choice later on once we're already invested in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I still remember, again, sitting in the theater in 2007, I took my fiance at the time. Uh, I was just dating her. We just had met. Uh, and I want, you know, hey, look, let's go to the indie art film theater. Eh, see an art film, <laughs> you know, trying to be a douche. And um, she was like impressed. Definitely impressed. Oh. Oh. But I'm sitting there and I'm looking at her because like, this is awful. She's going to think, I told her nothing but good things about this. That's going to be great. And I'm just looking at her like, this is really embarrassing. Luckily, the movie fixes itself after about five minutes, but it's just really bad. It. It's it, it feels odd. It's misplaced. The opening, like I said, made sense by the end of the movie. But it doesn't change the fact that Tarantino is a bit of an eyesore. <laughs> and what makes it worse is at the very beginning of the movie. And I love Tarantino as a director. He is not a good actor. He pl- has played some pretty interesting roles, like in Dust Tell Dawn. He played the serial killer brother very well. Um, He played the psycho soldier in planet terror. He's played fun characters, but they're specific characters. He's not a good actor. He's the worst part in Pulp Fiction. He has some funny lines, but he's the worst part in Pulp Fiction. He is not a good actor. And yet he always puts himself in movies or his movies. And then Now Takeshi Mike put him in his film and he is an eyesore. He is not a good actor in any way. (laughs) And this is how you choose to start your movie. Now I understand again what he was trying to do with Tarantino. This is 2007. Tarantino was still riding that Kill Bill hype train at that time. Uh, Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez were at the top of their game in 2007. So I understand what he was trying to do. And for the purposes of the international audiences, it was a great way to market the movie to the mainstream. Everyone who knew who Tarantino was at that, I'll be honest, that's the reason why I saw it. I, I didn't really know much about this movie. It wasn't on my radar. As I said at the start of the show, Takashi Mike wasn't really a thing to me until after this movie. I didn't know much of him. But Tarantino is the reason why I went to go see this because he was in the trailer. So I I understand from a marketing standpoint, great, but use him very, very, even more sparingly than they already did. (laughs) I think it would have been better. Um, Mike's decision to have his entire Japanese cast deliver their lines in English. I'm curious to see what you think about this. Uh, The English dialogue delivered through the actors, native Japanese speech pattern distracts me at times. I feel like it would have served the film better had they spoken in their native tongue, in Japanese, and had English subtitles. And a good comparison would be a lot of the spaghetti westerns. You know, you have sometimes with spaghetti westerns, you have not all of them, sometimes they all speak their own language, and then later they dub whatever language they're going to use to distribute out to the masses. But it throws you off. When what they're saying doesn't fit their facial expressions and their body language. And as we know, the Japanese culture is very different from the American culture. So the way they say words, their meanings, their emotions, the way they say things, body language, it's all different. Mm -hmm. The way people speak isn't the only difference in language. Language is conveyed in various different ways. It's just not it's not just the verbal means. So when you have Japanese individuals who I'm willing to bet 90% of them did not know English, I'm, I I know four of them did, and they're the ones who are also international actors. They work in America a lot, but the rest of them, I guarantee you, they just memorized English lines and they weren't quite sure what they were saying. Sure. And that just threw me off at times. And I felt like the acting suffered because of that, because you just think, oh, this guy doesn't know how to act. But if they were in or if they were speaking in their native tongue, I feel like the acting would have come off a little smoother and not so jarring. Does that make sense in any way?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it didn't bother me as much until we got to some of the weird characters. Right. The the sheriff, for one. Yes. I absolutely had a tough time with him all the way through the movie. Not just him saying English words, just him. Right, yeah. (laughs) And uh, there was a couple other henchmen that tried tried to speak that got to me. As far as the main people, I guess it wasn't as bad as I've seen before. You know, I think I I kind of understood they were badasses, so it, you know, I just kind of used that as kind of a, a center point for me. You know, I've seen some, we've seen some other films, Italian, Italian westerns for sure that totally didn't even seem close. <laughs> yeah, what they were saying and what they were doing and how they were facial expressions didn't seem even close to what the dialogue that was coming across coming at us audible, uh, you know, audible.
0: Yeah, audibly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, audibly. Thank you. And I think that's you know I've seen worse, and I just kind of that's kind of where I was with it. It it didn't bother me as much, but the weird people definitely did. Yeah, second, he, second characters, I guess.
0: I feel like the best actor in this film, it was Kyori Momami, and she was Roriko, the older gal, mm-hmm. uh, and she is a, a true international actor. She has done work in America and uh, the the East Asian market for, for years, so she, I felt like she was the best, and she was one of the coolest characters in the movie, too, especially when you find out who she is and... She suddenly becomes attractive. Like she goes from older grandma to like, man, you're pretty, you're pretty attractive. Keep shooting and licking the blood off of that gun or whatever she did. But yeah, I I just felt like if they, I I feel like the movie would have done that much better, especially knowing that this is somewhat of an art film. You didn't have the budget to put this movie into massive theaters it was, for the most part, I think it was considered a platform release, though so from the get-go, it wasn't going to have tons of asses in seats. This was going to be a very small release, so you don't have to worry about appeasing the mainstream or the mainstream American audiences for the most part, because they probably weren't going to go see this, and the ones who were going to go see it are probably accustomed to reading subtitles. I feel like it didn't really do. I feel like it did the movie a disservice. I I guess that's the best way of saying it. Uh, But with a mind like Takashi, Mike, he might have had some reason behind it. Uh, Maybe he wanted to have the odd language issues as maybe he wanted to have the same language issues as the Spaghetti Westerns. And this was his way of doing it naturally. I mean, that's really the only reason other than marketing an audience that I could think of why you would choose to do something like this. That's just jarring at moments. Uh, There was also a second act lull. I call it uh, after Django, the, the, uh, the lead. I'm going to use that sparingly because I don't know if he's really the lead, uh, but he gets knocked out of commission and it feels like it's forever that Mm. he's, that he's just, injured he's recuperating meanwhile the town has fallen apart and i understand what they're trying to do and maybe that's the 20 minutes they cut out Clint, for the for the international audiences i because i think they could have that actually would make sense but that's m- maybe 10 15 minutes maybe 12 they could have cut because they didn't need all of that there was a lot of unnecessary healing time uh with this Django character um, but other than that, I think those are the biggest, I th- I want to say, I don't want to call them eyesores except for Tarantino. He's definitely the eyesore. <laughs> but those are the biggest moments that I felt were, were kind of, yeah, issues that I had this movie. The plot is at times erratic, but I feel it is purposely done. I know when you go to other review sites, I think Rotten Tomatoes, which is just, is a travesty. They have this movie, I think, at 53%. Which oh. is just... Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, but I feel like some of the plot issues that some people were complaining about might be purposely done. You're dealing with a town that is on, that is literally on the brink of war. Uh, any moment you, you can get shot in the head or sliced in two by a sword. So what some might describe as a disjointed plot or story, I attribute to a stylistic choice. Um, I feel like the... The erratic plot was purposely done to help bring the audience in to basically help get those feelings, evoke the types of feelings that maybe the townspeople have. Again, if this was any other director, I probably would just say it's poorly written, but we're dealing with Takashi Mike and he doesn't do anything for just because for shits and giggles. Uh, The use of visual subtext also fills in a lot of the missing overt story pieces that I feel like maybe these mainstream reviewers might have missed. Uh, Takashi and his D.O.P., they spend a lot of time uh, choreographing some of the finest looking shots we've ever received in a Western piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a sense of magic just ingrained, the Western magic, Western mythos, Western mysticism ingrained in so many of the lens choices, which, by the way, are... A perfect combination of Sergio Leone, you know, the Spaghetti Westerns and Akira Kosawa's Samurai Epics with Takashi's own flair for goodness. This film, I think, could be summed up when it comes to the stylistic choices as a perfect homage film. You know, this is something, Clint, we talk about a lot on this network, especially when we're dealing with um, genre directors. And we'll just we're talking about him. So we'll just bring him up again. Tarantino, he seems to be. a a staple of almost every show we do. It seems like of late, but Tarantino, a lot like Takashi Mike, when you have a directors like them, there's something they're going to deliver. You're not going to have Takashi Mike, Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez come in and direct a movie and not offer any type of, um, of their own flair to a movie. They're going to celebrate cinema because a lot of these types of directors are fans of the cinema they're fans of the era they grew up in. They're fans of the era that, that may have a lot of these style, stylistic, um, innovations that were uh, birthed during that decade. And that's where Takashi Mike pulls a lot of his inspirations is from the cinema. And I feel like he did a great job, not just copying, which is what a usual hack director would do. Someone would take, oh, I like this and I like that. I'm gonna do it just like them. But he took what he liked a little bit here, a little bit there, and then he mixed it up in a box and created his own original piece. I feel like I have never seen a movie quite like this. Have you seen anything remotely close in terms of visuals? Mm,
1: not not like this. This was. Uh,
0: I hate the word special,
1: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of another one. But I'm I'm so redneck I can't think of anything. That's right. Elegant, go special. Uh, special. Okay. It was a. Uh, it was actually for me because I'm pretty much the traditionalist uh, Western fan, and when when you can combine swords and. You know the uh, the martial arts mm-hmm. in into a western like this, and still keep the western feel to it for a traditionalist. You you've got something special, <laughs> and it, it again, it, it goes to the way everything was shot, the soundtrack, and the special um the uh the effects or the kind of the gimmick stuff that they threw in there a few times and it, and, and the story was good. So when you kind of combine all that and you get something this good, um, it, uh, it's special. (laughs) I gotta hate that word, but yeah,
0: it's all right. Good. No, I, yeah, it, there's a lot of interesting things they do with the cinematography. Um, and, Sometimes in a film, you get a cinematographer who does a great job with framing or he does a great job with camera movement. Like that's what he focuses on. That's his expertise. And I feel like the cinematographer for this picture, um, which I'm going to try to pronounce his name one last time, but please bear with me here. uh, Toyomichi Korida. I feel like his expertise is. Possibly. The color palette. That that's what he focuses on. He loves dealing with the colors, and some of that might have to do with the editor themselves, or I should say the uh, uh, the color correction artist, the mm-hmm. coloring artist. I mean, it could be done with him as well. But a lot of times, those color artists, those the uh, people who go in and finesse the the picture, the color grader. There we go. That's what I was looking for. The color grader. Typically, they work alongside with the cinematographer during post production, and they go in there and they sit together for hours on end until they probably hate each other by the end of three or four months. And they just work to usually bring out what the cinematographer cinematographer was hoping to do on set. And when you're dealing with a cinematographer like this, a guy who is probably very experienced in shooting film, I'm sure he got a lot of those colors and that exposure was probably done through telecine, you know, natural or say I say practical processes rather than the more modern digital processes. Mm -hmm. So it would be interesting to see. I tried to Google or I did Google and tried to find some information on exactly the color process of this movie and whether or not it was done through true telecine, meaning you have a telecine artist in there exposing the film in a room and he is bringing it out and exposing it the way the cinematographer had requested it to be done, or if this was transferred to a digital medium and then it was all done in post production digitally in a nonlinear editing system. I'm not quite sure this is two thousand and seven now, if this was shot yesterday or last year, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's all digital. There was no telesetting process. They probably uh did not worry about doing that, but we're right. dealing with two thousand and seven, and that was at the that was at the point where hey anything go it could be film it could be digital Uh, the digital era hadn't quite taken a hold yet of the film community Uh, the action sequences also were really some of the best the ending shootout where um, Django and Rico leave the entire town in flames is remarkable Uh, just some solid choreography the stunt people should be applauded for the amount of work they did Mm -hmm. I mean I Man, I have watched that ending scene. I, I I have to say at least twenty times, probably. Okay. That whole ending showdown. And every time I'm blown away. Every single time. Because it's not just it's not just the choreography. A lot of it has to do with the editing choices. The lens choices and, of course, the the way the director chose to shoot everything because everything just works so well together. The soundtrack bleeds right into the booming gunshots. I mean, you have to watch this in a. So with at least some type of surround system to appreciate how well mixed the audio is as well there's a lot of attention to details and i know nowadays again we go to theaters and we hear all these avengers these avengers movies have all these cool snazzy sounds and and it just sounds all mechanical it doesn't sound natural but if you turn your surround system up or you have a good set of headphones on and you watch this on your ipad i'm talking to you clint (laughs) or your iphone 11 whatever you have you can turn up your volume and you can hear how the, they use everything at their disposal. It, they turn the gun almost anthropomorphic, giving it a life of itself with the choices in in sound for the gun. When that sh- gun shoots, when Django or the gunman shoots, it just booms. And that boom bleeds into the flame that is burning down the saloon or the hotel or the stable in that scene. And then you have the wind in the background that never dies down. You have the sound of robes or, uh, uh, the sound of clothing whipping in the wind, uh, the crack of leather. It is really top notch. I got a audio work here. It dude It is really, really (laughs) good, really good sound. Some of the best. In fact, um, I was at the tail end of film school. I want to say in 2007, think I was done I might have I can't remember either way this film inspired a lot of my sound design work because I just felt like it was so it was so it was so it was filled with such great choices and it wasn't the usual um, go-to sounds if sometimes movies tend to sound like they're pulling from a library of sounds like oh yeah we used this once on a film like 17 years ago and then we used it again 13 years ago then we use it again 10 years ago we used it last week this feels like everything was just uniquely designed specifically for every movement. The um, fully process—that's the, the word one, I was looking for. Oh, go was, ahead. Sorry. No, that was, I'm just saying the fully process was just overall just fantastic.
1: The one scene that I that really just sticks out in my mind. I mean, I love the the shootout with the gangs and the shootout with. <clears throat> You know, our ending scene, but the one that really got my attention is when he fires the bullet and they, they slow it down. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it's digital, but they, they slow it down and it's going across the blade of the sword and it's cutting in half. Everything about that seemed very perfect to me. And we've seen stuff like that before, you know, a quick cut of the bullet or you know even in the matrix where he stops all the bullets but this i don't know why this one i think you mentioned everything from the 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 sound to the shot to the cinematography to everything about it it just seemed like a very perfect scene mm-hmm. and, it, and it and it and it it's one of those that you almost could take a screenshot of it Oh, you'd hope you could kind of frame it or something and just have it playing over and over because it's really cool how they go from one point to all all the way to the sword and down as it's being cut and you even hear it. So it was very cool. I that's one scene that I probably will never, ever forget out of this movie.
0: Yeah. A lot of great moments. Alright let's go to a very quick break Clint And then when we get back we're going to talk a little bit more About Takashi Mike, his work And then we're going to get into the box office performance We'll be right back Don't y'all go nowhere Weird West Radio will be right back The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. You not embarrassed because you don't remember if you didn't. Okay. I didn't pull my dick out. Are you, know you sure? So if I'm you only remember 30%, how do you know that? The 30% I remember is not whipping my how dick out. How do you out? know that during that 70%? That, that's the 30% I remember. I didn't Your whip honor, my dick I out. I remember 30% of the night, and that was the entire time she claims we did something. Yeah. Open oh, and yeah. shut case. Okay, so it Ryan, I... there's 70% that you don't <laughs> remember. That, that but I remember now. <laughs> whipping my dick out, that's 100%. 70% you, percent you don't know. 30% don't of what I remember, the I'm, other part you might have whipped it out. <laughs> 30% of what I remember is 100% I didn't oh, pull my dick that out. That is the worst. <laughs> 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 to Mike's point, though, in nine months, you get a text message saying it's yours. You change that phone number. I mean, well, obviously, dude, I'm getting a f- brand new phone number. He's like, it's your baby. I'm going to be like, no, it's, it's not. It's your baby, Ryan. I, I know you. I don't come. I know you I and your mama. I don't come. Oh, she can pick your dick out of a lineup, though. Then I you would know that you pulled dick. it. I swear. Ooh, sure. I swear to God, I'm naming him after his great-great-grandfather, Tyrone. you could be Tyrone Denton. He told me everything, my dick black? I, have I not seen my dick in a while. I, my dick got black somehow. I don't Don't you deny me! Oh my god, the baby was. You my boo! Oh, oh my oh. god. I was sending you messages. No. And they the delivered. I know you have an iOS device. I have an iOS oh device. You're with me. You'd be fucked. This wow. is fucked up, dude. But I followed you on Facebook. <laughs> or Rain Visit Rainmanshow.com. It's Weird West Sunday. So the first thing I look at is okay, if you're doing a Western and your inspiration is the surrealism of Sergio Leone, then you better have your panels drawn in such a way that it resembles the work of Leone. Mm-hmm. I mean Sergio Leone was known during a time when anamorphing was being used the the comic book pages of Pretty Deadly is you saw those mimicking images. The, and, and I'm not talking just the wide screen style shots, but also just the depth of field and making sure th- certain elements should stay in focus. Emma Rio studied and did her homework when she got down to doing this comic Yeah, book. she did a great job. And I think going down the path and kind of creating their own, their own lore. They created their own lore. Mm-hmm. I think it leaves more room for mystery and more room for creativity and originality.
1: Well, and like this one, I don't think, I don't think they threw that so much into your face either. Yeah. You know, the Christianity or, or paganism or anything like that. It was, if you, if you read it, like I kind of read it.
0: Catch up on your favorite Weird West discussions from Mike and Clint every Sunday on Rainman Channel 01. Listen from the Rainman Digital app or tune in. Just search RM Channel 01. Y'all listen to Weird West Radio on Rainman Digital. All right, welcome back to Weird West Radio. If you're listening to us uh, during Weird West Sunday, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, as well as Spotify. Just search Weird West Radio. Leave us reviews. Even if you hate us, leave us a review. It helps. But if you hate us, would they want to leave us a review, though? Wouldn't they ignore this? Well, it depends on how they, you know. Because even negative reviews help. So would they want to help? I don't think so, right? If I truly hated someone, well, like, you know people what? I'm love to have you. a voice. I would complain. That's what I would do. I'd complain about the podcast and get it removed for like there hate speech go. or something. Please don't <laughs> do that to us, please.
1: <laughs> Especially, if, uh, put on the suicide hotline. Yeah, put, suicide put hot the hotline numbers we, down. Yeah, in we're your, very, in your
0: area. Yeah, we're very progressive. Please don't hate. We're here to help. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the comedic side of this movie. Uh, Yeah, it does, Mm, surprisingly. mm. I know you weren't too keen on it. I am not... I think you know that Mm. I prefer my action action and my dire, dark broodingness with just my dire, dark broodingness. But I feel like this worked for me for the most part. Some of the over-the-top moments, I felt like it was a good mi- mixture, you know, levity when we needed it, especially when you're dealing with a dark, brooding Western filled with gore, murder, and rape. I mean, child abuse as well, psychological abuse. There's a lot of negatives, I guess. There's a lot of things that we breeze through. We didn't get into the to the ins and outs of what Takashi Mike had included into this Western. And there's a lot of dark moments as well. So I felt like if you were trying to keep your audience and not lose them, I think those little moments of comedy helped kind of reel them back in for the most part. I know for you, you said uh, specifically the sheriff character kind of just threw you out that you just could, you could have done completely without it. Yep.
1: I just think he it was either overacted or it was just stupid yeah yeah <laughs> i uh, i didn't care for it i didn't think it you can have comedic um moments but this was just almost jerry lewis like you know to where it's it didn't even it didn't fit for me that's one of my biggest negatives of this whole film is that sheriff too odd
0: you're special. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, Takashi Mike, I've said his name about fifteen different ways throughout this show. So just let's go with it and let's ignore it. Let's pretend I didn't even bring it up right now. One of them's okay. going to be right. Yeah, uh, Takashi Mike is of course a Japanese filmmaker. He has directed. Are you ready for this? Hit me. Over one hundred theatrical, television, and video productions since his debut. In 1991. So this isn't even a director that's been around since the 70s and 80s. Wow. His films range from violent and bizarre to dramatic and family friendly. So he has a very diverse.
1: Well, I'm thinking three out of four isn't bad. It, is there four, four things that he did there? I mean.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: The family friendly. We missed it on this one, but the rest of it, it's it's there.
0: Yeah. Uh, His first films were television productions, but he also began directing several direct-to-video V-Cinema releases. Mike still directs V-Cinema productions intermittently due to the creative freedom afforded by the less stringent censorship of the medium and the riskier content that the producers will allow. Uh, His debut was the film The Third Gangster, Uh, but it wasn't until Shinjuku Triad Society in 1995 that was his first of his theatrical releases to gain public attention from the masses. Uh, the film showcased his extreme style and his recurring themes and its success gave him the freedom to work on higher budgeted pictures. Shinjuku Triad Society is also the first film in what is labeled his Black Society trilogy, which also includes Rainy Dog and lay lines. He gained the international fame in 2000 with his romantic horror film audition, which I did see. And it's very good. His violent Yakuza epic dead or alive. It's okay. And his controversial adaptation of the manga played at the international film festival. Uh, He has lots of themes as we saw in this movie sprinkled out that he manages to put into his movies. Um, He has achieved notoriety for depicting shocking scenes of extreme violence and sexual perversions. I I don't see him being able to do that in 2019. So we shall (laughs) see. I mean, I don't think that's going to go over well with modern American audiences in Japan. That's a whole other thing. The me too movement. They're like, what, what is that? Hey, would you like to buy some panties from the vending store? The vending machine over there? Go do it. That's cute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, many of his films contain graphic and lurid bloodshed, often portrayed in an over-the-top, cartoonish manner. Much of his work depicts the activities of criminals, uh, especially the yakuza, or concern themselves with non-Japanese or foreigners living in Japan. He is known for his dark sense of humor, yes, and for pushing the boundaries of censor- censorship as far as they will go. So he's uh, he likes to create some headlines with his work and he's definitely done that over the years in japan in america not so much within certain art circles yes i mean clint have you heard of any of these movies or him besides his work here on Django? i have not yeah
1: but then again i'm pretty sheltered
0: that's true and um just joking you're not dumb, <laughs> uh, but i know who you are <laughs> that's true thank you and i appreciate that uh, Sukiyaki Western Django only grossed fifty thousand dollars. Oh, yes, here in the states. Worldwide, it made two point seven million. So, not an incredibly successful movie. uh The production budget, I'm sure, was below two million, especially for two thousand and seven. Uh, Who knows, maybe over the course of 12 years, it has managed to earn its money back. Typically, movies need to make two to three times their budget in order to be considered a success. And honestly, I don't see this movie to let's say this movie is slightly shy of two million to make. I, I don't see this film making six million or I don't see it as making six million.
1: How long? How long did it take to break even? I'm sorry.
0: Two to three times its budget. So no, I
1: mean a, for this one. Didn't you just mention how? No, I don't
0: know. We don't okay. know the budget. The budget is not listed here. Oh, okay. But I can't imagine this budget being more than two million. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think this was considered a, a successful film. Again, among Western circles, it has picked up more life, more enthusiasm. There seems to be a lot more acceptance of this movie by even some of the more traditional Western fans that I've noticed. Uh, this has actually become a bit of a, a cult classic and it has a definitely a a very passionate fan base over the years. It has garnered a very passionate fan base. The film currently holds an approval rating of 57% of Rotten Tomatoes based on 53 reviews with an average rating of 5.7. 5, 5. Hmm. Yeah. And on Metacritic, the film has weighed, has a weighted average score of 55 out of 100.
1: I, I sometimes I just don't understand these rating systems.
0: I sometimes
1: so I, I mean I don't I don't understand <laughs> I don't understand a lot of this, I guess. Yeah. And we've done we've we've talked about it before, but I'm I don't understand that the concept of how low these things can be.
0: Yeah. I'm not quite sure. I don't understand either. I mean technically uh if you were to take all those ratings it, um let's see here if you take those ratings let me make sure i get this right okay it may sound it is low 57% is low i mean you have movies like fast and the furious that it's rated higher than that is it as bad as it sounds no typically 57% on tomatoes and 55 out of 100 on metacritic typically indicates mixed or average reviews So it's not an absolute stinker to people, but it's mixed. And I think a lot of that, honestly, just has to do with audiences maybe not understanding what they're getting into. If they knew what they're getting into, that this is a Takashi Mike film, that this is out there, this is bizarre, this is a throwback Western, then maybe people would be like, oh, okay, I I get what they're doing. But if they're reviewing this through a normal audience's eyes, like, oh, this, I just got done watching Fast and the Furious, and now I'm going to watch this. Yeah, they're probably going to hate this movie. <laughs> All right, let's end this, son of a bitch. Let's get into our review mode. Let's put our review hats on and our review underwear as well. We now have special underwear that we wear Yay. when we do reviews. It has a little RMD, uh, Weird West Radio logo right in the crotchal area. So let's go ahead and put those on and we're going to walk through the saloon doors we're going to say hi to the hot asian lady who i'm making dance and i'm not going to make her that's that's not right or appropriate she's going to willingly (laughs) willingly dance while we do this review and belly up to the bar clint based on our new average our new scoring system here the rain man digital review score system from one to one hundred percent what do you give this movie here
1: you know, just due to the fact that I, I I thought it was one of the probably the coolest film that we've seen in quite a long time. And visually, uh, the soundtrack was awesome. The special effects was awesome. Even uh, the story was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm actually going to give this 85%. Oh, look at you. Because I think, you could, I, I think if I would rewatch it. I probably again I probably get a little bit more out of it each time I watched it. Mhm. Just because sometimes I'm a little too busy <laughs> looking at the cool stuff yes. and the scenery and you know the costumes and of course the guns. Uh but I seem to be lost sometimes in that stuff cuz I'm always looking at that stuff. So I think if I would rewatch it, I'd probably pick up more like you have as as I would do with my second viewing. But I am gonna give it eighty five percent because I think there's a rewatch factor.
0: Okay. Now just as a reminder, the score system breakdown goes from one to one hundred percent, obviously. One to forty percent equals get fisted. That's thumbs down. You hated it. Forty one to seventy percent equals it's a movie. Thumbs sideways. 71 to 90% equals hell yeah thumbs up and 91 to 100% equals kick ass it's near universal acclaim okay so you gave this movie thumbs up i'm going to give it an 87% because i'm trying to separate myself from the material i loved this movie and if i was reviewing this solely based on me i'd give it a 95% But taking into account that we have to be a little objective at times and take ourselves out of what we love and like, I'm going to give it an an 87%. It's definitely a good film. Thumbs up. I feel like it's a good time. Friday night, Saturday night, you know, smoke a bowl if you're into that. uh, Drink a little bit of, you know, alcohol with your gal pal or dude bro. I don't know. (laughs) And uh, enjoy yourself some a good time. You know, watch a movie, relax, kick back. It's one of those movies. It's a movie that you can enjoy on a Friday night. You're not going to feel stupid or insulted. It's a good time. All right. That concludes this week's discussion on Weird West Radio. Please leave us reviews. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Tweet us. Like us. Retweet us. Talk to us. Facebook.com slash Weird West Radio. Thank you, Clint. Thank you, Michael. ...and good ...or said he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. Now, do you have anything to say, young man?
1: Yes, Your Honor, I do. You can go to hell, hell, hell. (laughs) (laughs)